are falling and I'm running out of breath Keep me in your heart for a while If I leave you it doesn't mean I love you any less Keep me in your heart for a while When you get up in the morning and you see that crazy sun Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 135 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a personal tribute to Judge Stanley Sporkin. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Uh, I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy during this difficult and tragic time. Before we get started, I wanted to welcome our new sponsor, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, Investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, Judge Stanley Sporkin was um, a mentor, a professional colleague, and most importantly, a friend. Uh, I admired Judge Sporkin, respected his commitment to integrity, and valued our professional collaboration and personal friendship. Judge Stanley Sporkin died on March 23, 2020, uh, not from coronavirus. He was 88 years old, and I'm compelled to speak about my friend, and I will miss him, and I will miss him dearly. Judge Sporkin's reputation for fairness and integrity was beyond reproach. His storied career was exemplary. He transformed the SEC's enforcement mission in the 1970s and adopted enforcement principles that are the foundation today of DOJ and SEC enforcement programs. He served as the general counsel to the uh, CIA and authored the finding to uh, uh, authorize the Reagan administration's dealing with the Iranian government, which was later uncovered as part of the Iran-Contra scandal. 
I always tease Judge Sporkin that he was not the father of the FCPA. He was the grandfather of the FCPA. And with the explosion in FCPA enforcement in the 2000s, Judge Sporkin always enjoyed telling the story of his role in the creation of the FCPA. He told the story many, many times, and it's always worth uh, recounting his explanation. His role is not laid out in any legislative history, which is all too often inaccurate and omits key behind-the-scenes conversations and contacts. You know, working on Capitol Hill myself, I can tell you uh, there's always a lot of activity that occurs that's not, in, not reflected in the legislative history. In the midst of the Watergate scandal in the early 1970s, the Senate Select Committee hearings collected evidence from corporate executives who testified about large business slush funds used to fill the coffers of President Nixon's re-election campaign, which prophetically had the acronym of CREEP, Committee to Re-elect the President. Judge Sporkin, who was then serving as the Director of Enforcement at the FCC, or shortly thereafter, wondered how companies were recording the, these transactions on their books. He opened investigations of these companies and discovered that the companies were not accurately recording these transactions on their financial records. He was shocked that public companies were not required to do so by any law or regulation. As his investigations proceeded, Judge Sporkin opened the government's eyes to a vast network of corporate bribery and unrecorded funds used to pay foreign governments and conduct other improper activities. In response to these concerns, Judge Sporkin came up with the idea that publicly traded companies should be required to keep accurate books and records. As he testified before Congress, quote, Most of all, I was amazed that there was no requirement that publicly traded corporations maintain honest books and records. My research of the various laws did reveal that such a books and records requirement was included in the laws governing this nation's financial institutions. It occurred to me that if such a requirement was good enough for, the na for this nation's brokerage and banking institutions, why not for its industrial concerns? I became convinced that what was necessary was a simple law that would require corporations to keep accurate books and records. In my view, a corporation would think twice before it recorded a bribe for what it was. Since bribery is generally considered a crime, it would be virtually untenable for someone to admit in writing that the corporation is engaging in such activities on an ongoing basis. Bribery needs secrecy in order to flourish. Thus, I theorize that requiring the disclosure of all bribes paid would, in effect, foreclose that activity. Judge Sporkin worked closely behind the scenes within the SEC and with Senator William Proxmire from Wisconsin to design the FCPA, which was ultimately enacted in 1977. Interestingly, uh, Judge Sporkin did not advocate for the foreign bribery prohibition because he thought it would be too difficult to detect and prove, but he viewed the accurate books and records requirement as an easier tool to deter companies from engaging in such behavior. Senator Proxmire ultimately insisted on putting a foreign bribery prohibition in the law, and the rest is history, as the saying goes. After retiring from the federal bench in 2000, Judge Sporkin continued to help companies navigate the FCPA to ensure compliance. My relationship with Judge Sporkin started in the 1990s when I served as an assistant U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia. I prosecuted a number of criminal cases before Judge Sporkin. In 1996, my colleague Jim Dynan and I prosecuted a RICO and continuing criminal enterprise gang case 
against the Fern Street crew, as it was called, before Judge Sporkin. The case involved five defendants who were charged with numerous murders, violent shootings, and cocaine trafficking, and was investigated by the FBI's Safe Streets Task Force and Metropolitan Police Departments. And it included evidence, historical evidence, and proactive evidence, undercover uh, transactions uh, and recordings, from numerous members of the Fern Street crew who agreed ultimately to plead guilty and testify and witnesses, victims, and undercover drug transactions. From the beginning, Judge Sporkin approached the case fairly and with proper regard for the safety of jurors and witnesses while protecting the defendant's rights to a fair trial. Given the threat of extrajudicial killing of witnesses and their families, Judge Sporkin authorized the use of an anonymous jury for the trial. Following a lengthy trial uh, that lasted uh, almost six months, the defendants were convicted of numerous offenses, including murder, armed robbery, kidnapping, and drug and RICO conspiracies. Each of the defendants was ultimately sentenced to life in prison. The defendants' appeals were quickly rejected by the D.C. Circuit in a, a, a lengthy appeal, uh, but a short decision. This last point was especially important to Judge Sporkin because it confirmed to him that he had conducted a fair trial free from significant error. He was right. The trial included some chilling moments of courtroom drama, which Judge Sporkin always recounted to me in later years. These events had left an incredible mark on Judge Sporkin as they had on me. An early witness who testified as a community leader from the Fern Street area near, it's near Georgia Avenue and Silver Spring, who initially complained to the U.S. Attorney's Office of rampant gang, gang violence in their neighborhood. The community leader in the presence of the defendants recounted the frustration and fear of community members who wanted law enforcement to investigate and prosecute members of the Fern Street crew. Judge Sporkin always admired the courage of this community leader to testify in a secure courtroom about the community group's legitimate concerns. A second dramatic incident involved the attempted murder of a rival gang member who was tricked into coming to a female, uh, a female Fern Street crew member's apartment to have sex. When the rival gang member arrived, he was kidnapped at gunpoint by members of the Fern Street crew. He was stripped naked and thrown into the back of a van. The Fern Street crew members drove the rival gang member to the nearby woods and forced the rival gang member to kneel down naked on the ground in the middle of the woods. The shooter, a Fern Street crew member on trial, put a gun to the rival gang member's head and told him, you're going to die now, and shot the rival gang member in the head. Two hours later, the rival gang member woke up, an incredible story. He crawled out of the woods naked, was rescued by a civilian driving through the area, and then transported by helicopter to a hospital. The victim survived. Five years later, in the courtroom uh, at which Judge Sporkin was presiding, the victim walked into the courtroom, testified against the Fern Street crew member, and as he testified, the jury was mesmerized. Judge Sporkin leaned back in his chair with his eyes closed, but attentively listened. The victim did not know the shooter and had never been asked to identify him. The victim then identified the shooter, who was wearing glasses in the courtroom conveniently. Judge Sporkin never forgot this testimony. The third dramatic event involved an attack on the girlfriend of a Fern Street crew member. The gang member was castigated as weak because he had developed a problem by smoking crack cocaine. 
To punish him, two other Fern Street crew members decided to attack the girlfriend of the gang member. The two gang members knocked on the girlfriend's door, charged into her apartment when she opened the door, and threw the girlfriend on her bed. The girlfriend had a six-month-old baby who was lying underneath her body on the bed. The crew members tried to smother her with a pillow. They wrapped the girlfriend's legs together with a long telephone cord and then tried to rape her while she was lying on top of her baby. The baby was crying. One of the gang members decided to warm up a bottle of milk and feed the baby while the other gang member continued to try and rape the girlfriend despite having her legs tied together. The girlfriend who had no involvement in the gang's activities was a religious woman from Southern Virginia. Before testing about, testifying about these events, she prayed and asked me to do so, and I prayed with her. The Fern Street crew jury, interestingly, was anonymous but comprised of all women and was legendary in the U.S. courthouse as one of the most professional and impressive juries to be selected in history up to that point. Suffice it to say, when the girlfriend testified about the events described above, several jurors cried. The victim testified and maintained her composure except for brief moments when she cried. She courageously identified the two defendants responsible for the attack. The jury sat on the edges of their respective chairs. Judge Sporkin leaned over the bench, staring at the two defendants identified, and I could tell the glare in his eyes was with disgust. For years, Judge Sporkin would recall these moments from the trial. He repeatedly urged me to write a book with him, claiming to title it, How We Saved the Fern Street Neighborhood. I always agreed. He was proud of the way in which he handled this difficult trial, and he had every right to be proud. Out of all the complex gang cases prosecuted in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, Judge Sporkin's handling of this case not only stood out in comparison to other complex gang cases, but stood out as one of his finest moments as a federal judge. I will miss him. He was a great man, and we all owe a debt of gratitude to his legacy of integrity, fairness, and uh, in the end, he was a, an amazing person, and we will miss him. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. There's a train leaving nightly called when all is said and done. Keep me in your heart for a while. Shine
Sometimes when you're doing simple things around the house Maybe you'll think of me and smile You know I'm tied to you like the buttons on your blouse Keep me in your heart for a while Hold me in your thoughts Take me to your dreams Touch me as I'm falling Headed north to Pleasant Street Keep me in your heart for a while These wheels keep turning But they're running out of steam Keep me in your heart for a while Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la Keep me in your heart for a while Heart for 